Today is our second episode covering the story of Florence Nightingale. We're going to talk about the Crimean War and life after the war. In our last episode, we talked about the first 30 years of Florence's life. Her parents had tried to make her into a proper society girl. Many men lined up to marry her, but she refused all of them. Her older sister didn't have the same line of suitors, and eventually married one of the men Florence had turned down. Welcome back to the Church History Podcast. It's December, can you believe it? Normally in December, I tell stories of church history that evolve around Christmas, and we're going to start that next week. I'm also going to re-release Christmas episodes I've had in the past years, so you may have a few episodes per week. Before I start, a reminder, you can check out our mugs. They would make great Christmas presents for the church history fan in your life. Also, you can check out the first book in my series, The Church is Born. And now today, here is our episode. Before we continue the story of Florence Nightingale, we have to spend a little bit of time talking about the Crimean War. The Crimean War was sparked by tensions between Catholics and the Orthodox. The fight was over access to Jerusalem and places the Turkish were ruling over. Both the Catholics and the Orthodox believed the holy sites in the area should be under their rule. Russia was influenced heavily by the Orthodox Church. Nicholas was the Tsar of Russia, and when a monk was killed in Bethlehem, he sent a message to the Sultan, Abdul Mekid, and demanded he recognize Nicholas as the protector of Christianity in the Ottoman Empire. When the Sultan refused this demand, Nicholas invaded Turkey. October 1853 the Russians dominated the Turks, and in one battle, they lit boats on fire, killing over 2,000 men who were burned alive inside the boats. The British and the French were worried about the power Russia was showing. The French knew that under Napoleon, they had defeated the Russians. So, both the French and the British joined the war against Russia. That was in September of 1854. The British Army was not prepared for the war. They did not have the supply chain working the way other countries did. On top of that, they didn't have the conditions set up to treat injured soldiers. In our last episode, we heard about a politician named Sidney Herbert. Sidney was given the job of Secretary of War. One of his jobs was running the hospitals for soldiers. Sidney learned about how the injured soldiers were being treated, and he was outraged. Sidney was friends with Florence Nightingale. His wife Elizabeth had gotten Florence the job she had at the Institute. Sidney was sending Florence information for her to record statistics. Sidney sent a letter to Florence telling her the horrible conditions the injured soldiers were left in. He asked Florence if she could take the job of heading up the group of nurses going to the war to work with the injured soldiers. She was officially hired as a superintendent of the female nursing establishment of the English General Hospitals in Turkey. Florence arrived in Turkey and was shocked at what she found. Imagine entering a hospital. It was built in just a matter of days, and you can tell. The smell is the first thing that hits you. The hospital is built above a sewer. 
and the smell is leaking from the sewers into the hospital. A rat runs right in front of you, and no one seems to even notice, because the building is infested with rats. You enter the area where the soldiers are laying in beds. The beds are all crammed together. There is no space to walk in between the beds. The lice are crawling all over the beds and the soldiers. A woman is cleaning one of the men. When she is done, she moves to the next bed. The same rag and the same water are used on each bed and each man. She will keep using the same rag and water until all of the men have been cleaned. This was the hospital Florence entered. The hospital was built on a sewer, and dead, rotting dogs and horses were in the water supply that was being used for drinking water. The worst thing she discovered was the amputations. Only the high-level soldiers were given anything before the amputations. The lower soldiers were tied to the beds and then operated on, with the soldier fully awake. Those who were amputated on the battlefield were more likely to survive the amputation than those who were amputated in the hospital. Florence made changes as soon as she arrived. First change was the rule each nurse had to wash their hands before and after they worked with the patient. She had enforced a rule that clean water and fresh rags had to be used with each patient. She also said that buckets used as toilets had to be emptied and cleaned as soon as they had been used. She also assigned uniforms for the nurses, so there was no difference between the nuns and the more loose women who were nurses. This way, the men did not see the nurses as prostitutes, but as professionals. The women also began to see themselves as professionals, and that made a difference. Florence also noticed that the men were eating very poorly. The food had mold growing on it, and there wasn't enough food, and there wasn't enough water. She used her own money to buy healthy food and bring it to the soldiers. And she would sit with the men, and as she sat with them, she saw that many of them had simply given up. They were dying because they didn't have a reason to keep even trying to live. She began to bring writing materials so they could send letters home, reminding them that they had families at home that needed them and loved them. She would also take the time to sit and read with them, talk with them, and pray with them. The men who were able to get out of bed needed exercise to heal, so she organized games and activities for them. When a soldier died, she would write a personal letter to each family. In the evening was when the soldiers were the most depressed. They were simply abandoned at night, and no one checked on them. Florence knew they needed to be seen at night. She would travel from bed to bed, checking on each soldier. The men began to look for the light of the lamp Florence would be carrying. That light gave them the hope that they needed. Florence became known as the Lady of the Lamp. As soldiers healed, they were sent home to their families, and they began to tell stories of the Lady of the Lamp. While Florence was still working on the field, she had become a celebrity back home. Her sister, Parthenope, had always loved her, even though she had not understood her. She heard these stories of her sister and became what today we would call a PR person. Paintings of Florence walking the night with her lantern were made into prints and sold in stores. Homes and songs were written about her, and even plays about her were performed. 
Back on the field, Florence was treated poorly by the doctors. They hated that a nurse and a woman had taken charge of their hospital. They were angry that this woman was giving them orders. And when they heard that she was becoming a celebrity back home, they were even more angry. Then Florence became extremely ill. She was forced to return home. She assumed she would return home to die in her family home. However, she miraculously survived. But Florence would never fully recover. Some historians look back at her symptoms and wonder if perhaps she had PTSD. She would often spend days in bed, and because of this, Florence never again worked as a nurse. She discovered her new celebrity status and was not pleased. She began to live and work under a name Miss Smith so that people would not treat her as a celebrity. But over time, she began to see that she could use a celebrity status to get her message out. She wanted to make changes to the hospitals, to the town, and to even individual homes. She began to write her stats in books. She began to prove that the hospital where she had been working had more deaths than any other hospital, and she believed it was because the hospital had been built on top of a sewer. The war ended when Austria was willing to join the war. Russia knew that if Austria joined, it would be way too many countries against them. The war ended with a treaty that was signed in Paris, March of 1856. The peace was very fragile, and the Turks and the Russians stayed on the brink of war right up until the start of World War I. World War I was kind of a part two of the Crimean War. Florence Nightingale wasn't the only one that was seeing that things needed to be done differently. The Crimean War changed the way war was done. This was the first war where the country used factories to create guns and had massive amounts of soldiers that were brought to coastlines. It was also the first time that telegraph lines and railroads were used to get messages, soldiers, and ammunition to the front lines. It was really the first modern-day war. After the war, Florence continued her work to change the hospitals. She had books and books of stats, and she wanted to present her findings. She had been given an opportunity to meet Queen Victoria, and her impressions of the Queen was that she was spoiled and not able to do anything on her own. Florence was very independent and found women who had people do things for them to be annoying. In 1854, Florence was given another opportunity to meet with the Queen. A cholera outbreak came to London. People were dying, and there seemed to be no way to stop the spread. The Queen asked to meet with Florence. Now, Florence knew why cholera was spreading throughout London. The river was being used as sewer and drinking water. The smell in the air was so bad, it was hard to breathe when you were outside. It smelled like death and sewer. Florence knew that what she was seeing was the same thing she had seen in the war. She had the stats to prove that disease spread through dirty water, but she also knew if she gave the queen a book of stats, the queen would pass the book on to somebody else to read. Florence had learned from her society days that most people only listen if you tell stories or paint a picture. So, she took all her stats and created a graph. And since she was presenting to the queen, she made the graph look like two roses. One showed the death rates in the hospital before the hospital was cleaned, and the second rose showed the deaths after the hospital was cleaned. The two roses showed a picture. 
When Florence presented the graphs, she also told stories from her time in the hospital. The queen was shocked to see the graphs and inspired by the stories. She immediately ordered that Florence's recommendations be put into place. Later, Florence set up the first official school for nurses. She had the school attached to a hospital, the St. Thomas Hospital. The Victorian hospitals that were built during this time followed her protocols. Words were separated so people with infectious diseases were not on the same floor as women giving birth. The new hospitals were also built with windows, giving the patients natural light and something to look at during the day. Florence pushed for both physical and spiritual healing. Her book on nurses was published and became very popular. Florence also began to make recommendations for city development and when new homes were built. Her recommendations were used. Not only did she change the way war hospitals were run, but how hospitals were run and how they were built. She also changed how the city used sewers and drinking water and basic city waste management. She also changed how houses were built. Six years after Florence met the Queen, Louis Pasteur established the germ theory, and the world was never the same. Florence took time off when her father became ill, and so she cared for him. Then, after he died, her older sister became ill, and Florence cared for her as well until her death. In 1880, Florence began to go blind. She began to stop making sense when she talked, and she began to forget things. In 1907, she was given the Medal of Honor. She was the first woman to receive it. In 1910, at the age of 90, Florence Nightingale died. There are different views about Florence's theology. As a child, she attended a church that didn't believe in the Trinity. Then later, her family moved to the Anglican Church. As an adult, Florence didn't think any of the churches in London were worth attending. She saw most of what the church was doing as part of the society world that she had rejected. However, in her writings, we can see that she loved Jesus Christ and wanted to serve him. She wrote often about the conversation she had with God that day in the garden when she was 16. Florence had given her life to God and followed his plan. Theology was not something that mattered to Florence or something that she pursued. So to look at her theology as a way to decide where she fits into church history is not how I choose to look at her. Instead of looking at what she believed, I choose to look at what she did. As a side note, like I said, Florence died in the year 1910, and that was the same year my house was built. We started this podcast with a life of Christ, and we've been following the story in chronological order. And today, we're at the place in time where the house I am currently sitting in was built. The story of church history is a story of Jesus working. If you want to know more about church history, you can read my first book, The Church is Born, telling the story of Jesus Christ to Constantine. You're going to find a link to that in the show notes. Check out my website, loralysiemens.com, for more podcasts, blogs, videos, and links to my book. And I'll see you next week with a Christmas episode.